All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Panel Discussion. I am one of your three magnificent hosts, Matt Johnson, alongside... Greg Knowlton. The birthday boy, mind you. Hey. Happy birthday, buddy. Hey. Thanks. And... Chris Gallo. You're the next birthday boy. I am, in like a week. In a week. Yeah. Awesome. Why didn't we eat cannolis today? I don't know. Can you imagine birthday cake cannolis? Oh, Next dude. Time. All right, folks, this is not birthday cake cannoli radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two hours of birthday cake cannoli. We can only talk. talk about cannolis for two hours. I easily. We are really doing well. a spinoff podcast. We and Greg talking about just another book cannoli. <laughs> Cannoli time. The cannoli cast. Oh, Oh, boy. Awesome. Awesome. So how was your guys' uh, weekend, weeks? How's Uh, it going? Pretty good. Um, Really excited about the books today. It's funny how you pick books and you don't realize they'll have the same theme, and they they basically did. And then uh, we'll kind of get into it, but my new issue had the same writer as the fan choice. That's so cool. I thought that was really cool. That is pretty A lot of parallels. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. How about you, Greg? Anything anything good going on? We're good. We're golden. I'm excited to – I can't – it's bad I should remember the name of it, but I am probably going to be at the, the Comic-Con going on at the convention it's center. It's called okay. Buffalo Comic-Con. Buffalo this Comic-Con. It's Buffalo that simple, Comic-Con. yeah. Okay. So I'll probably be there looking for stuff. Uh, I don't know what yet, but I definitely want to – I know you can find some really cool finds. Uh, I might even be looking to see if there's any like local comics and and stuff. So yeah, why not? Uh, may throw that in later, but I'm not sure. But I'm excited to go there this weekend. I'll be there Saturday, and um, I'm excited about good these dude. Books. Yeah, I hope you find some good stuff. Um, myself and the other people at the network, uh, Chris, Christian, uh, Anthony, and Sean, who came up from North Carolina, we were had a table at a booth at RockCon uh, this past weekend, and it was it was really cool. Um, it was nice being on the other side of the table. And while it was it was smaller, it was definitely smaller. It was in uh, the Kodak Theater, and it was a relatively small building. But there were a lot of good vendors there. A lot that I see at Nickel City, you know, the Nickel City Con. Like there was, um, I actually bought a that Venom toy. I know, Chris, you can't see it, but the one, the Marvel Legends. Um, the oh yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I got that one. Really cool. They had a lot of cool figures. Um, they had yeah. Take a look. Take a gander. It looks sweet. That's for the other thing I might be getting this weekend. Yeah. Oh, you got you got to get at least one toy. I spent a hundred bucks on comics there, probably, um, and non regrettably because I found so many great Venom titles. Yeah, you're. I was. Little... I, I I get a little obsessed sometimes. We could probably do like three straight Venom episodes for the movie, but we could. But we're gonna do one. And <laughs> actually, I mean, it, we slightly talked about it in our Facebook group. Um, about doing not just a single comic book, not just a single issue, but an entire series. Because, I mean, most of the series are not, they're not like crazy long. You know what I mean? I think it would be better and more meaningful for us to do and make it more special if we do an entire arc, um, which in two weeks will be Venom uh, to coincide with the new Venom movie releasing. Um, there's been a lot of Venom, great Venom um, story arcs, so many. I picked up a bunch um, this weekend that I really liked, and it's, it's going to be hard to narrow it down to two. Uh, I got – there was uh, Venom and the Punisher. It was like a team-up. There was Venom versus the Juggernaut one. That's awesome. Um, I picked up more issues of the Lethal Protector. I found, uh, I found a couple books of Planet of the Symbiotes, which actually followed – 
um, I forgot which story it followed. It might just set. I think it, no, it followed separation anxiety. Yeah. That's right. It was because uh, Brock was separated from yep. the Venom That's suit got there. immediately after. Um, but that one's gonna be a fun episode. I'm really excited for it because Venom is one of my fa- is easily one of my favorite uh, comic book characters of all time, and he's very popular um, amongst us. I would say. Yeah. So for all you know, us to bring up six, seven issues. Uh, or story arcs, it's going to be a very detailed uh, episode that definitely one you guys don't want to miss. Yeah, we're hoping to do something special for you guys. I'll leave it at that. So yeah, well, follow us on Facebook and we'll we'll keep you up to date on announcements as far as uh, what that will pertain to be. Yeah. Um, but uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go through. But um, without further, well, let's start with the news. There was a little bit of news going on this past weekend. Um, Chris, if you want to get us started, buddy. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Uh, it has been official that in development is a Captain Britain and the Black Knight movie uh, in the MCU by Marvel Studios and attached to Guy Ritchie. <laughs> On this podcast, I, you heard it here first. I, I wanted a Guy Ritchie type uh, movie, and I, it looks like we're going to get it. I mean, obviously, you know, never know what development. We've had movies in development before that have never made it. Yeah. MCU's pretty good at. Greenland, Greenlighting it, but one of the biggest things with Captain Burn is I've kind of seen this coming. Uh, about a year, maybe two years ago, there was the leak of what his outfit would look like. Yep. Uh, and then there, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they used Lance Hunter, who was basically the right-hand man for Captain Britain in a lot of his runs. Um, and... And now, with acquiring Fox Studios, you can tell the whole story with him. Yes. With Psylocke and he and now the mutant because the thing with Captain Britain is it's it's got a nice like spy story to it, but it also with a mutant twist too. So there's different worlds collide in that. You could tell the full Captain Britain story and the Black Knights is one of those characters that you know can I live without him? Hundred percent. Yeah. But he isn't a 70s Avenger, <laughs> and there's a lot of you know. There's been a few incarnations of the Black Knight, yeah. right? There, he's been a a couple of, his first one was a villain, if I'm not mistaken. I think. And they tur- he turned good, or. or the two, yeah. I think whoever, there was a few different, yeah, people, and then the second person, I think, was the one who ended up being an Avenger. They um, did a run again in 2015 or 16. They launched a new run of it. I was actually, it's one I've been planning on picking up because it, the art's really cool and the covers are really different. Yeah. Um, and he's one I don't know a ton about. Um, somewhere that I don't have a ton of info in. So it's definitely what I'm going to be reading up in now with that news. If so. you're, a, I mean, they could even put a James Bond twist on it. It's, there's a lot of ways they can go with it. And one, you know, one of the coolest things about a guy, like, I think what we love about MCU movies is they can build multiple stories. And that's Guy Ritchie. I mean, if you've ever seen his work like Snatch or Rock and Rolla, he, tells eight or nine stories in like different pans and he's almost got that Tarantino style to him. Yeah. That'll be and cool. I really if they could make a Captain Britain movie like Rock and Roll, I think it'd be cool because I think then we would probably get Psylocke and maybe some of the uh lesser known British or, you know, Shield Marvel yeah. characters. Which I'm completely okay with. because um, I mean Guardians of the Galaxy was relatively unknown until it became yeah. you know a movie now it's now it's everywhere. It's yeah. almost an oversaturation, so yeah. to speak. Um, oh, yeah. And then there's it's like Jack so of Spades. There's a few guys they can really do in that like British lore. 
Yeah. Um, I can't think off the top of my head without really looking, but I'm really, I, I think it's cool too. Cause it's, I feel like it's good news for B level. And even, I don't even know if like black Knight I would consider B level. He might even yeah, be a little, little bit lower, below. Yeah. Um, for that, that we're going to start getting some of those lesser known stories. Uh, we, you kind of get it, but not really. Like I would say like a lot of these people, are like mainstream among even comic book fans. I feel like like Captain Britain and Black Knight are known among comic book fans, but not someone they would con- like go no. out and expect a movie for. So to have those surprises, even for people who who dive into this kind of stuff, it's really cool to know that like all right, they're stepping their game up. They're gonna start making even like the people who really like this stuff happier than they already are. Because sure, like any of us are gonna be happy with a Captain America movie. Any of us are gonna be happy with like seeing um. The Winter Soldier. Yeah. But to really expand out to these characters we don't really know and put them on the big screen rather than small screen again, it, that it, that makes it really cool. It's a huge step forward, um, especially because, unfortunately, Captain America, Iron Man, um, the, the big characters that we've come to know and love in the MCU, they're not going to be around forever, unfortunately. Um, their actors are obviously uh, – their contracts are expire, expiring. So you do have to have – you know, some some different obscure characters. You know, now that we got MCU as Fox, you know, you can legit probably carry three phases of movies with just X-Men and Fantastic Four stories. Oh, yeah. Do you think Easily? they amp up to more than three movies a year? I would Because hope they have so. now there's so much the studios. Because if they're going to do things like this, I think they need to. Because yeah. this is going to have a Deadpool feel. Guy Ritchie is going to make it live in its own universe, but still be in the MCU, if that I, makes any sense. I think exactly that's what's going to happen. I think you're going to have, like, it, it, or it's a possibility to have, like, a main phase and your, like, lower level phase. Like, you're yeah. going to have your stories that are really going to drive the main story, the main plot of what's going on during that phase for the MCU. And then other stories that might just be filling in blanks and then occasionally tie in. Or eventually tie in, but not right away. They're just more there to have Marvel movies. I agree. Um, I just I always worry about oversaturation. Always, cause I, the last thing I want to do because we've been, we've been very spoiled. Um, I think we've said it on this show even how spoiled we are as to the time of the time we're living in with all these comic book movies and to do too much and get have you know the the casual moviegoer get sick of it. Um, it would not be good either. And so, you, um, you I, lose quality and sometimes oversaturation. Yes. Like you'll definitely have the, the possibility of, well, let's hang, hire any director to do this film rather than continuing to go out and find, like, the best. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. totally forgot, too. There's a good – there's a run where it's basically very Lords of the Ringish. Cool. Like, Merlin's very tied in, but, like, they go in time with King Arthur and then there's I'm all about dwarves that. and elves. And That's cool. There's a lot of cool uh, directions. You need to send me – like that specifically they can go I need to find with, it <laughs> with Captain with Captain Britain. There's so many cool directions it can go. So. I'm all about it. And then in other news, so that's that's MCU bolstering. Right? Yeah, DCU though. <laughs> oh boy, kind of connects to this because people want Henry Cavill's Captain Britain. Really, that's yeah. cool. Uh, DCU, you've got Henry Cavill up in the air, like. So we don't really know. His agent has said he's still in. He's teased some stuff on his Instagram that he's still involved in Superman, wearing a Superman T-shirt, playing with the toy. Um, but then online saying, no, Henry Cavill's done. So it's really hard to tell what's going on. But that's been the story of the DCU, to be honest. You've had, well, 
Ben Affleck's done. Who's next? And I think that's my favorite part of these conversations, to be honest. I was like, all right, who who else does fans want to see? Like John Hamm for Batman, and I've yeah. seen like Jake Gyllenhaal and a ton of different other ones. But then Henry Cavill right away. It was um, Orlando jo- or I forgot Orlando B. Jordan, right? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. B. Jordan. Yes. Wrestling snuck in there and made me want to say Orlando. I was like, you were going Orlando Balloon. Oh, uh, yes. I Orlando thought so Balloon too. for Superman. No. And then everyone is pulling out the old, the old Tim Burton pick with Nick Cage. <laughs> I've seen the internet going nuts about that. Why not? <laughs> is this the end of this, them trying to connect to the universe if this happens? Like I said, I think they just need to accept, accept defeat and go multiverse and just start telling stories and know that you don't have to, have a huge connected inter- universe to be successful. They weren't doing it before. Look, look at the success of um, Chris, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. It was not connecting. It wasn't even that big of a universe. It was just Gotham. They didn't really even leave Gotham that much. No. And they just told a Batman story, and that's all people cared about. The Batman films have always done that. People still keep going to see them. I don't think you need them to connect to be connected to be successful. If that was the case, comic books would constantly be intertwined. And there's a million and one different stories. So I think, yes, it will be a little harder to keep the casual moviegoer when you start moving into, like, B-movies and different heroes that aren't, like, Superman and Wonder Woman. But if you build up that reputation, I think it's a possibility. Yeah. I still think you should say, hey, look, this TV universe is the beginning of our universe. Yeah. And then, really, the movies should be the big-budget movies that are too expensive to do on TV. Yeah, the crossover is, like for Arrow coming up is, like, Superman, Batwoman, Lois Lane. Like, there's some big name drops. And, and they said there's going to be some surprises, too. The Flash. There's like another Kryptonian that they're, not, that, that, they, that they're not telling people. So I'm, I'm really intrigued. I think we get our first Superboy. Uh. You, yeah, you're really only missing, like, honestly, if you look at that lineup, you're missing Batman, you're missing Wonder Woman, you're missing Aquaman, and you're missing... Um, Green Lantern from the main, but you've got Flash, you've got Supergirl, you've got Green Arrow, you have like a pretty solid Justice you know, League. Great format. amount of B listers, but like Mister Terrific. Some of them are kind of A list as well, with like Arrow and, and Adam and Firestorm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a nice Constantine. Message. At this point, just accept what's successful. <laughs> sure, it's cheesy and campy, but that's exactly what a lot of people like about DC is the more family upbeat and it's not always like that the comics are not like that but that's what a lot of people especially this generation have grown up with justice league and all that and the less dark and then keep you know maybe the streaming service is what's going to be dc's lifeblood who knows with teen titans but they could definitely come out this week but i've not seen anything no they might be doing some race shoots who knows (laughs) but like the whole like streaming service is supposed to launch on the 15th and i have not seen Hmm. a big commercial layout for it or anything yeah yeah, but there's a lot of animated movies I want to watch. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, they they do very good with those. I want that James Wan Swamp thing. They're already casting people, so, <laughs> so good. That's great. Um, so let's move into it, guys. Um, for those new to the show, what we do is take an old book, a new uh, comic book within the last printed and published within the last month, and we review them on five categories: art, action, story, dialogue, and rereadability. And we give it an overall score. All of them are out of 10. And we haven't had a perfect one yet. Uh, but, yeah. So, and then we have a fan choice, too, which I'd like to thank uh, Frank Morazzo. I hope I pronounced your, your name right, buddy. Um, who suggested God's Country, um, which was actually a pretty excellent read. We're gonna That's going to be the last reviewed uh, comic book that we had. So, all right, let's get right into it, boys. Who wants to start off with their old? 
old. I, I, I can start. Okay, absolutely. Go ahead, bud. All right, so um, for this week, uh, I actually got it from you, Matt, so thank you. You're welcome. I read a Marvel 2-in-1, The Thing and the Macabre Man-Thing, which it seems like they've uh, ditched that Macabre thing, as you just called it. <laughs> um, but uh, this was out July 1977. Oh. There is no issue number on it. I think it was just a, like a special, yeah, probably. you know, Marvel 2-in-1, the thing and man thing, and then, you know, including the Howling Commandos. <laughs> so um, so this book, uh, it, it's very interesting. You know, it's it's from the 70s. Um, <laughs> you know, it's definitely, you can tell what the, like the colors and the morality story it kind of teaches, which I know that was a huge thing in the 70s. Yes. So just to kind of give you guys a rundown on it, you know, you're in the Baxter building, uh, the thing's testing some stuff with, uh, with, with Johnny, uh, Storm and, uh, and, you know, when he's testing stuff with, you know, with Mr. Fantastic. And then Nick Fury shows up with like this scientist guy. And basically they want Ben Grimm to fly this rocket into space. And Nick Fury's like, hey, you're the best pilot I know because in the World War II, Ben Grimm was a pilot and, you know, and, and all that. And he trusts him. And now the thing has this thing like, should he go? No, pun intended. Yeah. should he go? Should he not go? Like Alicia tells him go. Like he didn't want to feel like I just don't want to be known as just a muscle guy. Like I want to be known as a skilled, you know, you know, a skilled uh, pilot. Yeah. So he decides to go while we see him getting ready. Uh, there's like some poachers in the swamp and they're being watched by swamp thing. And he kind of like, you know, swats at them or whatever. And they're running for their lives. One of the coolest things in the middle of this book. And I, we know about the nineties crossovers between Marvel and DC. Yeah. Never knew this was a thing. There's a Superman, Spider-Man crossover (gasps) from the seventies. I knew you guys were going to look and I see Dr. Doom. D- yes, Doctor Doom, and I am not a huge Superman villain guy. Other than the basics, I cannot tell. Greg, can you I help can't me? Can't tell from here either. Um, but I'll show you a little bit, like after I'm done reviewing it. But uh, so yeah, dude, that's I don't amazing. know how I've this happened. That. But we have to get a hold of this. Yes, we do. You know, we we have to. So yeah. So anyway, so I thought that was one of the coolest things that I saw in the middle of that book, but. Moving on, the, uh, you know, the rocket goes up in space, crashes, uh, on Ben Grimm. He's the only one in there, crashes into the swamp. While this has happened, you kind of see, like, he's, Ben Grimm is like, the, the text is cool because they write it in, like, somebody who would be basically, like, whiplash and in pain and it's like this, like, little, like, slanted writing and stuff. Right. So he's basically like, struggling to walk through the swamp to try to find where he assumes Nick Fury is going to have a research or an, um, a rescue team. So while this is happening, he's kind of having flashbacks. Oh, also to the things like following him as like a guardian, like make, you know, like the thing or the man thing, man thing, like gets immediately like attached to just walking behind him. And, and thing has no idea he's there. That's and, creepy, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> So while this is happening, Ben Grimm starts having flashbacks to when he was arm wrestling Nick Fury and hanging out with the Holland Commandos and flying and how they they attack or they got attacked by this force that was supposed to be like allies and they weren't and and they got through that and just really cool. 
Um, while that's going on, you see the poachers again. They're trying to take out the man thing. He takes them out very easily once again. <laughs> um, and then the Fantastic Four show up. They're trying to find Ben Grimm. More Ben Grimm flashbacks with the Howling Commandos and uh, and how they, uh, you know, he was like, hey, you know, I have to, uh, I have to do, you know, and I, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but they uh, rescued one of the Howling Commandos who was basically being kidnapped and everything like that. And he's like LeBlanc and he's like, I okay. have to do what LeBlanc did and, and, and persevere and keep walking through this jungle or whatever. So while that is happening, he basically passes out right after that. You know, he's thinking of Alicia and all this and he passes out and th- the man thing like starts touching him, like to trying to console him. So thing wakes up with a lot of energy. Like all of a sudden he's almost like healed and he like swaps it, swaps the man thing, and man thing kind of backs off. And then another cool thing: there's a an ad, Spider Man versus the Human Computer comic, and it's to sell Hostess cupcakes. <laughs> oh, those are so good! <laughs> I cool. had a Twinkie today. It Did was you? The craziest thing in the world. <laughs> so then it just kind of ends with, you know, the, they find him. The Fantastic Four find him. You know, they bring him to the hospital, and this and that, and and he's like. You know, I it was weird. I was out there, but I never felt alone and, and never abandoned in the swamp. It was like I had my own guardian angel, which was basically the man, man thing. thing. He was the guardian angel for the thing. That's really cool. Nice little morality book. We yeah. talk about those famous books in the 70s, like Spider-Man with the drug addiction and oh, yeah. uh, Green Lantern and Green Arrow traveling the country and dealing with race and drugs and, and all that stuff. Um. This was a fun little book from the 70s. I think it read better than the early 90s stuff I read with Iron F- Fist and Namor. Yeah. I think it definitely definitely read better. Um, I wonder if there's any iconic artists attached to this. Or, uh, Tom DeFalco. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. So he did a lot of Spider-Man, I think. Yeah, Tom right. DeFalco's on there. Um, so, I mean, there's some decent names attached to this. Uh First off, starting with what we start with, a story, I believe. Art, art. Art, I'm sorry. You're good. Uh, It's your typical 70s kind of cartoony art. Um, Not super detailed, but nice. I'd give it a seven. What's the seven? Seven. I want to give it a six, but I like the book, so I'll give it a seven. Seven? Seven. Six and a half. Um, Next is story, right? Uh, Action, actually. See how I it's okay. In a week, I it's been a whole week. It's been we a whole week. Written down somewhere. Yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll put I'll put posters up. Okay, uh, next time so, I set so it up. So action. Um, there's a cool little war scene with the Holland Commandos, but other than that, there is no action in this. <laughs> it, so I'll give it a four. Okay, fair enough. There were some war scenes that was kind of cool. Uh, storytelling's next, right? Or am I just? Yep, story. No, you actually you're on the right track. Story's really cool. Uh, it's. I mean, it's a one-off, so but it it's kind of it's a nice little like you know, hey man, man thing like even though he's this disgusting creature, he wants to help people, and it's the thing having this morality like, do I go into space to prove I'm more than just this monster? Yeah, for that it was really good. I I'll give that an eight. Eight, okay. So that was a really good story. Yeah, it was fun. Um, dialogue, dialogue. You know, it's your. Nothing too detailed, easy to read. Um, I give it a seven. Seven, okay. And uh, rereadability. Rereadability. 
would I probably pick this up again? Not so much. It's not something I could say to my friends like, hey, there was this really cool story where they fought. It's like, there's a really cool story where Thing was basically in pain and Man-Thing followed him and healed him. It's Man-Thing hugged the Thing and made him all better. <laughs> yeah. Or just like, you know what I mean? Consoled him. So. That's, that's why, like, um, and I have to attest to that because last week we did the Dr. Doom Namor one. And I was disappointed because the cover art, like, was misleading almost. And you would... You would think, looking at that, there'd be a lot more. To I it. thought it would be a team up. Yes, I really did. Um, and it wasn't a team up at all. They're just. In the I mean, same Thing comic. didn't even like yeah. fight the poachers or anything. Like right, that. right, right. Uh, but I would give rereadability. Let's just go a five. Five. Okay. Um, I'm a generous man. You are very generous. So that leaves a score of thirty-one <laughs> out of fifty for that. Um. Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. Um, Craig, sure, let's shake buddy. things out because right. I know we're both going to be pretty low this week. <laughs> oh, our new ones at least, but yeah. or, well, oh, my I old lo- one, my oh, your old, old one as well. I love my new one. So my old one was really rough. My new one is a gem. My new one is so oh, you switched up. My my new one is terrible. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, so, but yeah, go ahead, bud. Don't I was what? kind of excited for this one. Um, I'll be honest, it was. Issue 28 of the new 58 or new 58, new 52 run of Jonah Hex. Um, it is from April 2014, so it's not too old, only a couple years, but um, it is new 52, and they've already rebooted again since that. So <laughs> it will be interesting. Um, so it starts off basically with Jonah in the back of an ambulance. Um, He's just all bandaged up, and they, they're putting oxygen on him. And then it shows shortly after him in the hospital, um, he's in a coma. He was in some sort of accident. You really don't get the whole gist. You get They say like he was driving a motorcycle with three times the normal alcohol level. Um, they don't know why. You don't know what. Uh, to make it clear, Jonah is out of – he has been taken out of time, and he is now currently living in the 2000s. Um, he is no longer living in the Wild West, and he does have a modern girlfriend. Her name is Gina. Okay. Um, so you just see basically the whole first couple pages are just Gina talking to her family and laying at Jonah's bedside, asking him to wake up and asking if he's like dreaming of the Western. That's literally it. That's all you get for the first three pages is just that. And then Gina just talking to him and you know, it's, it's all right. It's, it was, they jumped like three months and um, there's that. And then he wakes up. See, you see a cool little panel of like Superman um, in the corner on the TV. And then he pulls his IV out and just right away runs to the doctors. Um, And then it goes with typical, like, doctor tv show they grab him you know, call for doctor so-and-so stat and then it cuts over to them just talking to him saying like they don't know how he made the the recovery he made and then you just get jonah hex i, I like this little scene and i'll talk about it a little bit when i'm scoring um of the doctors talking to jonah hex and he has no idea what modern medicine is oh. <laughs> he's just like huh what? what like no idea um and the first thing he says to his girlfriend is i want steak so, so pretty, pretty solid there. I, I can, I can, uh, relate to that. Yeah. It could be in like a three, four month coma. Um, you get a little more doctor talk. The cool thing is Jonah Hex, they totally did plastic surgery, fixed his whole face. He no longer has a cataract in his eye. Um, so he just looks like a normal dude again. A little more doctor talk 
asking if he goes home. This is the saving grace for this comic book, to be honest. Like this panel was my favorite. There's a scene, um, Jonah is still in his hospital gown, sitting down in the cafeteria, drinking coffee, eating, eating his lunch. And there's this like drugged out guy fighting the, um, I make sure I don't say this again because I said police cops earlier. Yes, you did. <laughs> you definitely said that. <laughs> the hospital police, um, he's trying to fight them off and the drug, like the drugged up guy just knocks them all out. So Jonah stands up, still doesn't have his full strength yet, picks up his tray and guns it at the guy's throat. As the guy asks, what do you want, old man? And Jonah says, quiet, knocking the wind out of him. Proceeds to take the police to town off the, the, uh, the cop and then, Knocks the guy out cold, and as the whole crowd standing around, Jonas just says, "Who's got a cigarette?" And there's a panel of just like six hands come on with lighters and cigarettes and hand them to him, and he's just got like a big <laughs> smile on his face. That's cool. Um, and then it's just a little bit of more talking, more him just talking about like being in the hospital with these random people, and it's a lot. Like it's like a soap opera. And then finally, um, he leaves with his his girlfriend. They go and he says he's going to drive and, and she won't let him because of his accident. Yeah. And Booster Gold randomly shows up in a cowboy hat with a suitcase flying down from the sky. <laughs> um, he socks Booster for something. So I'm assuming Booster has something to do with the accident. Okay. And then Booster sends him back into time with his current girlfriend who's dressed very modern like she's going to a club and not set for the wild west oh and they're immediately picked up by a tribe of native americans who do not recognize jonah hex without his um scars and don't believe he is who he is also his outfit is straight up booster gold robbed a confederate museum (laughs) and that's the outfit he (laughs) brought to send him back in time so that was cool um see i'm gonna do the same thing now art Story, dialogue, eight art, art action, action, story. action. Oh, gosh, um, art. I actually this. It's a little more sketchy than I like. Okay. There's a lot of like rough lines. I did like the I did like the cover. The uh, cover is great. The inside, it's a lot of rough lines. Um, it's not as defined as I am normally a fan of. So I'm actually gonna go for a six for the art. Okay. It's still nice. The color. It's still well colored. Um, well inked, and there's still some cool panels. It's just not my cup of tea, is all. Action. Yes. I'm give a five there because the cafeteria scene was really cool, but outside of that, there wasn't much other action. <laughs> uh, story. If I didn't look some stuff up, I would have no idea what's going on, and this literally feels like the first ten minutes of, like, an hour long episode of something like it feels like a setup, but I also actually it feels like the second 10 minutes. I missed the whole first 10 minutes <laughs> uh, and that's where I'm at with this. So I actually am going to go for a four on the story. I'm not crazy about the story. Uh, Saving grace dialogue. I'm going to give it an eight. There's some really okay. good Jonah hex dialogue in here. They do a really good job of the man out of time and, but still keeping his like, his snarky attitude. He definitely makes some, has some really good lines. Um, and that's a, like, there's a, like, uh, booster gold says something about Jonah hex punching everybody in the face. And he just goes, I haven't punched you yet. Have I? And he just cracks booster in the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> he 
<laughs> so there's there's a lot of like good quick lines like the who's got a cigarette that I I really like. Um, so that was there. Rereadability three. A three? Okay. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about this rereadability wise. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't reread it again. I could. I don't think it really left much out. It would be a lot easier for me to like have skipped this one. I feel like I actually feel like I could have read twenty seven and then jumped right to twenty nine and been like, oh, he woke up, he got hurt, woke up from a coma, is back in time again. Like this didn't really. That was all that really happened in this. So okay. Um, so that leaves you with a score of twenty six out of fifty. Ooh, I think that's our first under thirty, and I know you're gonna crush it. <laughs> no, dude, this, the new the new one's gonna be bad. I actually. I really enjoyed my old one uh, this week. Um, really enjoyed it because you guys. I mean, I could go Marvel easily every time for the for either or. But um, I was actually at that used book outlet and uh, at the Bullhorn Mall, the old Hollister store. I want to say it's across from Journeys, I believe. Um, but if you've never been there, go check it out. They have some great deals. Um, Dollar Comic Books, and occasionally they have. Ten cent comic books, and you'll find some gems in those dollar comic. Books. I found a lot of good ones. We talked about it last week, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, but this one I really, really enjoyed. It is DC Comics presents from March of 1980. It is issue number 31, and uh, fifty cent comic book. That's uh, the retail price on it from back then, which is That's really awesome. cool. Um, I did before I get into the story. I do have to point out, I finally seen my first sea monkeys uh advertisement and it is the coolest thing i've always heard about them i was always told about them because they were the thing in the 80s and i mean this is just like amazing (laughs) i'm like sea monkeys are ruined for me because of south park yeah (laughs) you're yeah you're not wrong you are not wrong it's just like (laughs) weren't they like they still sold them when we were kids. My mom, like, went to some teaching store all the time. No place. It's where, like, Spirit is next to or used to be next to. Um, and they had, like, sea monkey mu- or aquariums and stuff. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh my Just, God. like, pet rocks. I know. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, this is, like, the beginning of that pet rock era <laughs> of weird toys. My mom had um, a pet rock mansion, so. did Really? Oh, yeah. <sighs> Dude, see, this, things like this, were, I wish I grew up in the 80s. I wish I got to appreciate that culture even more than I already do now. Uh, but without further ado, this is, yeah, Superman and Robin team up, which I thought was really cool dynamic. Robin was always at Batman's side. And personally, I've always preferred Robin over Batman. Um, but it starts off, he's investigating – what's wrong? You're, you're fine. I was just, Gullah was rubbing his thighs. Oh. Because I made it. <laughs> um, anyways, okay. I wish we had visuals on that. Difficult. <laughs> um, so anyways, it starts off with Robin. He's investigating a circus after hours. And he gets attacked by a couple circus freaks. Um, and so it starts off, like, relatively intense and for anyone who knows um or doesn't know robin's backstory his entire reason for becoming such a crime fighting hero originated in the circus when his parents uh died the flying greasons um but then it, it goes into why he's sneaking around a corner and it goes into why he's investigating this this circus 
he's on a date with a lady, um, brought her to the circus, which still, it's like a, it's a weird concept to me now, because nowadays, you know, circus is never. But he's, around. yeah, and he's bringing her to the circus where he has his family. Yeah. Hey, that, look where my parents es- died. Essentially. Yeah. You, you must really like it. Uh, but he brings, he brings, uh, this date to the circus. And while he's there, a clown named Waldo, who actually performed with him and his family back in the day, he, he notices him, and he's trying to get his attention, and the clown does not recognize him, does not acknowledge um, his existence. So he feels like there's something uh, something up. So he's... he's uh, You know, and that little... the Flashback ends, they're, you know, the circus ends, and they cut back into Robin going into this giant tent. And they're about to make Waldo the Clown um, jump through a ring of fire for almost spoiling their uh, what they have going on. So they jump, Robin goes in for the save um, to, to help him, and Robin gets attacked by all the circus freaks and gets put under a telepathic... Some type of telepathic control, which has all these other uh, circus people like it. And the interesting thing is here, when he's down, Superman is there and is under telepathic control from these circus freaks, which is just wild when you think about the overpoweredness of some of Superman's you know historical enemies. And yeah. he's struggling with the circus freaks are controlling. Yeah. Those carnies will get you, man. Every time, every time, man. If this was like a, a circus of strippers, man, it'd be it'd be over because they're the big, they're the biggest carnies in the world. <laughs> Anyways, uh, a weird episode. This is very weird, but we like weird. Um, so, anyways, the day the next day comes. The circus is still in town, and Robin is hypnotized, and they have him performing, and Superman is performing. Um, and they want it to be like their draw, essentially, and none of these people in the crowd are buying it. It's, uh, you know, they're just like, oh, this is cheesy, whatnot. Anyways, after the circus, the the fall, that evening, uh, Robin is in a cage, and Superman comes up and gives a little clap and breaks him out of his telepathic control. It, in fact, Superman has not been under telepathic control the entire time. He was playing along with it to figure out what was going. He knew something was up, and but still, it's like nowadays this feels so beneath Superman. You know what I mean? But it, it, it's it, I really like. I actually really like this book. Moving on um, past some awesome and very inexpensive jewelry advertisements, and we get into a big fight, and <laughs> uh, Superman and Robin are are battling uh, the circus freaks, and the circus freaks send some circus animals on Superman, and he actually struggles. Uh, some tigers, they send the elephant after it, after him, and, like, I'm a little surprised, like, if, if Peta ever picked this book up, <laughs> they would lose their minds, because <laughs> Superman throws an elephant into a tank of water, and they just... Oh, man, <laughs> But that and time period, that Yeah, was... it was like nothing. Like, it was an evil elephant, uh, so to speak. Uh, but Superman's not pulling his punches. Robin is, because he knows some of these people, and they're approaching him with, like, like zombies and whatnot, and 
Let's see. Moving on. They they find they pretty much find oh they figure out uh the the one some clown that uh did it. They don't think they gave him a name. Really? There's interesting because I know I don't remember if it was the Gotham TV show or something, but there's a clown later that has like hypnotizes people and like makes them do it things. It could be a throwback to it. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a Gotham. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's what's her face. Um, the the Gordon's girlfriend or wife in the show that has Bar- Barbara. Yes. yes. Um, it actually it almost looks like the Waldo the guy. Uh, which is pretty weird, but then nothing else makes sense. It could be a, a random clown. I'm not entirely sure, but it just ends um, with them getting him. Superman flies off with the clown uh, to take him to to prison, essentially. And all the the prison the circus freaks are are freed. I really enjoyed it. It was a it was a fun story. It was different, and like I said, I've always loved Robin. Uh, I never read any of his books, but. Robin has always appealed to me. Uh, I actually went to, in second grade, second or first grade. I dressed up as Robin for Halloween. And I, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. But let's get into the rating. Well, oh, go ahead. No, no, I just like the the infatuation of Robin. You know, it's, it's dude. When I get into superheroes, man, I really, really get into them. You know, as you can see with the the Cyclops figures, the Venom figures, um, I get really into it. Um, in hindsight, it's a little weird because of the short shorts that Robin wears, but, you know. <laughs> you know. Um, Thank you for that image. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, let's go into art. The artwork. It's 70s, 80s, classic look that I, I mean, I really like. I, I'm a big fan of the old school stuff, not so much the new, um, new arts and whatnot, but I'm going to give the art... A seven here. Action. Plenty of action. Nothing spectacular, um, except Superman beating up lions and elephants. Um, and, you know, a couple, couple little fighting scenes. I mean, there was no real super villains, no super villain powers. It was pretty much a straight up fight. Um, cause Superman didn't really do, do much. He didn't, you know, it was his heat vision or his ice animals. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so the action was relatively mild. I'm going to give a six. Story. I was I was actually very curious. Um, I did not know what was going on at the beginning of it, but the little flashback scene helped and um, developed it, and I think it told a great story. It was really cool to see Superman and Robin team up in the comic book, and I'm sure it's happened a bunch of times since then and a few times before that. So uh, story-wise, I'm going to give a 7. Dialogue. Uh, fun conversations, especially between... Robin and Superman um, at the circus, you know, some of the stuff and, and telling this woman about this girl he's on a date with about his history with circuses and not shying away from it. Really good conversation pieces, um, I thought. I'm going to give dialogue a 8. Rereadability, uh, I'm going to give a 7 as well. A 7. I, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, um, I would honestly just reread it again for the Sea Monkeys, uh, <laughs> the advertisement, which was I popped for that. I because uh, I was actually at work reading it in the break trailer, and I said I asked my uncle Rich, who's big into comics, has all the comic books from his past, uh, all my dad's old comics. I'm like, hey, did you ever get into these? 
you know, did you ever have them? And he's like, oh, I remember those. Uh, he ordered them. He actually paid order them, and they never sent them. <laughs> and it's pretty, oh, it's pretty shysty. That's heartbreaking. Um, and it's it, apparently it's happened multiple times too. Um, he did order something out of a comic book for my dad for his birthday years ago, and they never sent huh. what he ordered. Like it was, it was messed up. Um, but overall, uh, the overall score: thirty-five out of fifty for Superman and Robin. So that's that. Uh, Chris. Your new book, my friend. All right. I was just double-checking to see if I had any sea monkey ass. <laughs> Sorry. I did not. Just a lot of I want to frame stuff. that sea monkey head, honestly, because on the other side of it is another advertisement that I don't care for, and I might just pull it out and frame it put it in here. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, so <laughs> I read, which I believe is going to be a one-off. I, you know, they're just doing all these Web of Venom series, and this one was called Venom. And we're just really... Right away, I could tell, oh, man, this is going to be something to do with Venom and Vietnam. <laughs> okay, I'm intrigued. <laughs> so, um, the book opens with uh, a scene where you see, uh, you know, March 5th, 1966. Yeah. Um, and it opens with, like, all these soldiers that are, like, you know, bleeding and, and, and just uh, assaulted and everything. And there's a soldier kind of running for his life. And all of a sudden comes out a uh, symbiote who is a symbiote soldier because, as you see, he's wearing, like, military fatigue from, like, Vietnam War. And yeah. But he's in the full black symbiote, and he's got, like, a, a red spiral. I've like, seen that him. one before. Yeah, and, and I'll kind of get into next because then they kind of give you the backstory real quick. And it's basically they're a symbiote from uh, – it's an ancient symbiote known as the Grendel. Okay. Huh. And basically, they tell you that this is before Eddie Brock bonded, and you know there was a symbiote Earth, and and it, a Vietnam War veteran Rex Strickland, you know, had the symbiote at one time or whatever. So it's like a Beowulf play on. Kind of, it, it, it's really interesting, and it's really it's cool because you could have placed this book, and I'll get into you could have placed this book in the sixties and seventies. It was very cool like that. This book could have been placed in almost any era. So it opened. So that's a little prelude with, with the intro. Then you go to Scandinavia, and Nick Fury, they're kind of trying to find out uh, if Hydra is behind, like, the seismic activity that's going on in Scandinavia. Okay. So they go in this big hole, and they find a gigantic dragon, symbiote dragon, in ice. Dude, that's sick. That is so, a really cool visual. Yeah. So they extract some of the symbiote, and they're testing it on rats to see what it does, and then... Nick Fury, you know, to kind of be in the war with Hydra, and that's how S.H.I.E.L.D. is, he ends up testing human soldiers with the symbiote. And you get a cool little visual of them in, like, the things and all that. Oh. And the main, like, leader of this platoon is Rex Strickland, and they're calling the code name Tyrannosaurus. Okay. So they, you know, basically give these soldiers a symbiote. Now you kind of flash back. And they send him to Vietnam. They send him to Vietnam to help out our Vietnamese soldiers and attack the Viet Cong. Problem is, is the symbiote basically takes over and attacks our own soldiers. So these oh. guys become like monsters. And while so that happens, and so now Nick Fury, you flash back to the current time, well, in the 66. Yeah. And Nick Fury's in a room with 
Logan, Wolverine, and he's trying to convince Wolverine, telling him what's going on. We got to hunt these guys, monsters down, this and that, and you know we we got to go after him. And I need your help. And Logan's very resistant of it. He doesn't trust Nick Fury. You can tell. Yeah. But he finally decides to go, and he's like, "I don't work in teams." He goes, "It'll just be me and you." So they they come down the, the helicopter Vietnam style. Um, and then going through the jungles, it's Nick Fury and Wolverine. And uh, traditional, like, war Wolverine, too, like, just black and fatigued and stuff like that. There's a funny little line where he's like, do it for your country. And he's like, I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he's Classic trying to Wolverine. Him, I know. like that. So they show up, and it is just slaughter everywhere. Like, all these American soldiers just destroyed. And... They're kind of having a back and forth, and Fury explains that all the guys have kill switches. But the problem is, is they realize that if they kill the person, it doesn't kill the symbiote. And the symbiote might attract to somebody from the Viet Cong, which could be huge issues Ooh. if the Viet Cong get a hold of. That is a, oh, that's a cool twist. Of, of the symbiote. So they're, you know, trying to find this guy, and they find Rex Strickland, who somehow doesn't have the symbiote anymore. And, and he he feels really guilty. He's like, look what we've done. Look what I've done. This and that. Um, you see, and then the soldiers kind of show up with the symbiote, and you see they're trying to like they're trying fire, like they're trying guns, and basically they try to explode him. And like Logan gets in front of it because he can actually withstand it, and it still doesn't work. And they're just literally pulling out all the stops to attack uh, these symbiote soldiers. You know, and it's pretty cool. Rex Strickland's a nice character, and I don't know if he ever is in anything else. Right. Um, but he's a nice little character. You know, you see that guilt. I and think he has some Eddie Brock connections, but I could be wrong. I'm assuming he does. I, I really do think he does. But, you know, they 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 had this fight scene, and um, they, they basically do a cool thing where, like, there's a big blast where, but Logan, like, it, it's almost gets in the middle of it to kind of shield the soldiers it, 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 or shield Rex Strickland or whatever. So while this is all happening, they notice Nick Fury's, like, gets wounded and shot. And then Nick Fury's still talking, and this is where Logan gets really pissed because it's a life model decoy. So oh. Nick Fury was never there with him. Classic. So then they're having some back and forth where Nick Fury's at the shield headquarters. And like that, and you know, and and basically, Nick Fury's like, "Well, we didn't know how to kill it, and I couldn't risk my life." He goes, "You risk mine? Like, what? Would you? You were hunting an animal here. Would you want me here because I'm an animal? Yeah. You know, you caged this thing in and you prodded it for exper experiments. You know, is that why you brought me? Like, Logan's basically coming, treating Nick Fury in the same like of General Striker, like right, same, right, same thing. Um." You know, and they're and, and the Fury's like, well, we didn't know it would drive them insane, this and that. Like we thought it would just make them, you know, in, unstoppable soldiers and all that. So then basically they have these all this explosives. There's a bomb set up that Nick Fury out of Nick Fury's body that gives them sixty seconds to basically clear a lot of jungle, and you literally just see like them fighting the symbiotes, trying to get out of there in sixty seconds. The explosion happens. You don't all. All you see is Rex Strickland goes. I woke up alone. So Strickland survives. No idea where Logan is. Obviously he survives, but right. no idea where Logan is. And then you're kind of in a room 
where he's having a back and forth with Rex Strickland. Nick Fury is thank you for your service, this and that, you know, and makes him a member of Shield, and that's how that ends. That is cool. That's uh, it says a, there's a long book too. It sounds like there's yeah, a lot to it. It was it, it was a good amount to it. It was a pretty good book. Um, I really liked it. Uh, it's almost what I expected. Okay. Maybe a little more. I kind of expected a traditional. I actually thought, like, the symbiote would go to the Vietcong soldiers, and that's why there would be, like, a nice little... That would be a cool twist. I, mean, I thought maybe Dum Dum Dugan would be there or something like that, but this was interesting, and, and, and I actually thought it was a better twist. Um, so, and I'm kind of mad it's a one-off. Like, but maybe they're going to do something more Rex Strickland. Like, he, I think he has. So what I'm, I just pulled up because I, I'm, I have to know. He is currently in a run of Venom, and he's had run-ins with well, okay. was in a run of Venom, unfortunately. But he had run-ins with uh, Flash Thompson and then Eddie Brock, and no longer exists. But he was part of the current story, so I think this is just to is set he up like his background. Is he like an older background. elder statesman that warns him about the symbiote or something like that? Something kind of yeah, with with the uh, the Tyrannosaurus symbiote is what this one is called. So which you could tell with the dragon and all that. Yeah, and that's. And and they basically make it known he's the first symbiote on Earth. Yeah, he's okay. a piece he's, of the Grendel symbiote yes, in total. So I think Grendel's a main thing going on right now as well. And um, there's some connections with Null. He's in the current runs. So that's where he's from. That's why I knew his name. So And maybe that's why they this is a tie-in to that because yep. yeah, that's yeah. why they kind of introduced him. Good. Um, art, uh, your typical modern art. Pretty cool. Um, I do like the cover. It is very. Cover it's is an so attractive cool. cover. It, 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 the whole, um, it, yeah, I mean the whole Polaroid shot, and there's clearly a symbiote uh, holding it and everything. This is a Wanan Ramirez art, so r- really cool. Um, I mean, they kind of maybe they could have been a little flasher on the jungle scenes. Uh, there's a lot of gray and stuff like that. Right. Uh, the symbiote soldiers were really cool. I'd probably give the art a seven. Seven? Okay. Yeah. All right. Action. Action. Pretty neat. Uh, I did like the scene. Um, there's a few scenes where they're fighting the, the symbiote soldiers and the big bl- bomb at the end. So uh, I'll give that an eight. Eight? Okay. Story. Really cool story. Um, you know... It was a nice little backstory. The, the only thing I think I hate about this story is I want more and it's over. Right. So that's why I'll give it an 8. Okay. I would have given it a 10 if there was a conclusion, but okay, so now Rex Strickland joined S.H.I.E.L.D., but what is – is he, that symbiote still with him? You know what I mean? You don't know. No. You really don't know. So you don't Maybe get, they will do more explaining that. Um, I think that's what's going on in the current story is that – and that's why they did that. Yeah. But what I do love about this, and I told you guys when I did the prelude, I love the fact that you could place this book in the LMD era of the 70s or in like it really read like it could read in any era. Yeah. If you know what I mean on that. Yeah. Like it maybe had something to do with the 60s flashback or whatever. But I, it was a really cool story. It, um, it has a whole other element it, to the overall symbiote storyline throughout the Marvel the Universe. Vietnam War and I don't know if there's a lot of Vietnam War comics. No. There's a like – Commandos, a little bit of Wolverine bounce between. No, Wolverine. some there's Punisher Vietnam War stuff. Yeah, War yeah. Well, and they they bounced it. They originally sold some of the stories in World War II, and then they moved to Vietnam later. And then when Vietnam got 
a little uh, controversial. They moved back to World War II. Well, cause, you know, like, you know, go to back to my old comic. This is 1977. The war they reference is World War II. Yes. yes. They could have easily referenced Vietnam, and, and that would have logistically made more sense. And at the time, it was, it was, but I think at the time, it was such a controversial topic that they didn't want it in the comic books because a lot of people didn't agree with it. So now you can get away with that more. Yeah, that's where, a good point. Where now, yeah. like, it'd be similar to um, think about – especially with it was just September or it's September handful of years ago if we would have done like a desert store comic book it might have been a little less people might have picked that up at first right um, it definitely would be a touchy subject yeah so but you can talk about Vietnam now and it not be an issue but even with that like even in the television shows now a lot of the Netflix TV shows which I think the comics haven't touched much are about the Afghan and well yeah because now it's relevant now we can it's been yeah. The wounds are I mean, sealed Iron enough Man that was, fans could get away. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. That was um, one of the first ones, I think, as well, that, that really dove in that superhero-wise, at least. Uh, so, uh, dialogue. Um, the dialogue was pretty cool. I was never lost. Um, there were some weird points where, like, the oh, like you don't know if it's Rex Strickland or this first soldier that's kind of talking. So, right, right. Uh, I'd give the dialogue a seven. Seven, okay. There's some nice Wolverine lines in it. Re-rehability, uh, I give it a nine. I would pick this up again. Um, it was really cool. Uh, it's it's nice because it's a it's a Venom symbiote story, it's a Wolverine story, and it's a Nick Fury story. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, it's I did not expect Wolverine. I mean, I was hoping when you said that you picked it up. Um, but Wolverine adds such a nice touch, and Nick Fury does it as well. Connecting him, his being. To the symbiote, yeah. How Nick Fury's treating that was a great touch. It's interesting to me, just looking at the art from here. Like they went with the uh, the the non mainstream Nick Fury model for this as well. Like, oh well, because it's cool. 1966. Yeah. Oh no, this was straight out. That's 66 awesome. Nick Fury. Yeah, which is, that's cool that they well because I know Venom has very much been sticking to the the Sam Jackson model, which I love that model. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's cool to see both because I actually saw the the that Nick Fury first. I think that's the one I I grew up with uh, and the one I was used to. And sometimes I confused him for Reed Richards with an eye patch, but yes, still, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I read it in Agents of Shield comic, and it was like the first comic to feature Coulson as a combo character and. It explained that where Nick Fury now is Nick Fury's son. Huh. From, yeah. That's cool. So it was traditional old white guy Nick Fury. He had a baby with an African-American woman. And that's the Nick Fury. Name. I I like that it carried over. That makes me happy. That's not. That's why he's Nick Fury. He's ba- they're both the same person. That's cool. Like yeah, I like a little like, background when um when changing. Things up like that, but it's, such, it's an Agents of Shield comic, and not many people probably pick that up. Right, yeah. right. But that's still cool. I read it on some... Marvel Unlimited because I'm like, ooh, Coulson's in a comic. Yeah, it's <laughs> cool that there's something. I agree. Um, thirty nine out of fifty. It was, it was really cool, and you know, for I'm really digging what Marvel's putting out. New runs. I was a little disappointed with Asgardians of the Galaxy. I told you guys. Yeah, but between this and Cosmic Ghost Rider, I'm. Really digging what's going on right now. I'm right with you. Since Fantastic Four, and then what I'm is this technically the all all new, all different run still? No, all new, all different got rebooted again. I don't. There's not a specific name name for for this, but basically, like every couple years, they're just going to do a soft reboot 
is where they're at right now, especially with the Mar- the cinematic universe yeah. and stuff. It just makes. And it you easier. don't even have to have it all. Like you just tell stories like this. Like this has no continuity with yeah. anything else going on. Well, yeah, and that's I think a lot of it. They're picking. If you notice, what's new is Guardians of the Galaxy. You've got a little more Asgard, which Thor was just huge. Uh, X Men, where now X Men is back again in the forefront of Marvel and in Marvel's hands. So they want to create. I told interest you what, I'm, in that. I want to pick up some of those villain books that yeah. they got coming out in October. Fantastic Four. So it's all stuff like a lot of it's to get people excited about the MCU. You can tell Thanos Legacy. Yeah, well, it's all look MCU at all the Venom. Look at all yeah, the Venom. Venom. Yeah. There's a new it's Guardians well book coming out uh, this winter. So yeah, it's. It's it's definitely all about. Uh, I guarantee Captain Marvel's probably gonna have a run coming out too. Right? I'm oh, sure because be. people hated her in Civil War yeah. too. Yeah. So actually, Greg, I actually was gonna ask because mine is gonna be really quick, and yours mm-hmm. sounds really good. Go if with I yours first. Cut because, in front of you. Yes, because mine's <laughs> gonna have a high score. My book was garbage. Um, <laughs> I am still mad that I picked this up. And we all had X Men. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> essentially, um, I picked up X twenty three. Number four, and oh my god, I can't believe I wasted four dollars on this. <laughs> the cover very visually appealing. It's a close up of X twenty three, um, with her hands on her face. There's blood running down it, and the claws are starting to come out of her hands. Um, I actually read this book twice, and I don't know what the hell I read. <laughs> it is, it is so hard to follow. Obviously, it's number four, so there's things that happened before. Um, there's, there's things that come after. Um, a bunch of clones of Emma Frost that are telepathic. They have these other these girls in like this electric chair, and they're like deep frying them. And yeah, it's super weird. I don't know what I read. <laughs> and like, there's very few X twenty three scenes. Like, it, I I don't even know how to describe this book. It was so painful to read. Um, some thing called Esme. I, I, I just don't know. Uh, like I said, this is going to be a very quick one. Um, they're showing X-23 reviving. Looks like she was fried or something. And the last panel is her with the claws up to someone. Um, something about saving her sister. I wish I could do a better job of explaining it. But like I said, I read this book twice, and I do not know what I read. Um, should I have... Went back and, and and read before some of the stuff. Probably. I probably should have. But this is going to get a very harsh grade for myself. Very upset. I mean, even even filler books should at least ex- kind of explain what's going That's on. Something. There was very limited dialogue. Um, absolutely no action. You know what I mean? So this is going to be very quick and harsh. Art um, is going to be its highest grade because it's very visually... Beautiful. I'm going to give it a nine in that department. Action. I'm going to go like a two. So minimal. I, I mean, I, I could even be as harsh as giving it a one. Um, you know what? I'm going to give it a one. This book pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> Story. This is definitely, this may be the worst book we ever read of all time. It could be. And you oh, know, we're going to find one. If. <laughs> And honestly, don't don't take my word for it because if if you're following this X twenty three story and you're understanding it better than I do, um, don't listen to me as far as that goes. And and actually tell me, educate me. I would. We have our Facebook page. Please let me know because I would like to understand this book. I did pay four bucks for it. 
and I would like to understand it a little bit better. You read issues with like my four bucks back. <laughs> I, 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 was like, I kind of do. You know how many, many like that's like you know how many one dollar comics you can buy that four. I know I could have had four good comics instead of this one. Um, you can find that Superman vs Spider Man book. <laughs> there was two of those, by the way. I googled it. Oh, how rare! I don't know. No, there was two two happening. Crossovers. Two times that happened. That oh. was the second one. Yeah. Oh, I'll let you finish the okay. story first. Story. One. Don't know what happened. Don't know how it progresses. Um, the ending was like it was a little bit of a cliffhanger as to what happens next, but very disappointed. Dialogue. So minimal. Didn't help the story. I'm going to give dialogue a two. Rereadability. I don't want to give it a zero. You did read it twice. I did read it <laughs> That is a great point. Um, this is a really great point. Um, but rereadability, I'm going to give it two. If I went and read the other one. Don't even pull out your calculator. It's 16. Thank you. Sorry. Niagara Falls High School Education, the math doesn't come right to me. Oh, I was counting because I wanted to see if your other scores were more than your first score and they weren't. Oh. Than your read, or your art, rather. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad. And if you really like the book, I apologize. I just. And we we try we try if with the, with the with the format we do you know we try to pick up a number one but there, I know plenty of books where I can pick up in the middle of a story and kind of understand what's going on and know the characters and you know what I mean like the, I don't know if it's a lost art but like if you read nineties books and you, you pick up in the middle of it if you pick up if you if you never read Infinity Gauntlet and you pick up in the middle you have a pretty good idea of what's going on. You Most comics give you a backstory too. Yes. Even in the middle, like well, I read the Cosmic Ghost Rider two, and I know it wasn't in the middle, but even with two, it explained everything that happened in one. Yes, there is way less dialogue in new comics. I've noticed that there's way less and more room for art, and like, who knows why? Some of it's because of the that's, that's movies now. That's TV. That's storytelling. Well, and yeah, it's that, and also you wrote a lot of dialogue in old comics because you had to hand draw the whole book. You don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. So you could take it up with more images and not have to worry about filling so That's much true. so many words in. Um, yeah, I mean that was like that with that Thanos yeah. book last week, Thanos uh, Legacy. You know the the entire second half of that book was nothing, and the first half was, you know, a bit of a cliffhanger. But yeah, I was not not impressed with X twenty three um at all. But all right, Greg, let's uh let's end. Our personal picks on a high note with your story. Yeah, I loved this book. I'm going to go right away. I read Extermination. It is an X-Men story. Uh, it is a five-issue um, comic series that's going on or event that's going on right now. I'm on the second issue. This is the second issue we review. Okay. Um, just came out. Super cool. So right away, and actually, it makes a big reveal in the first panel if you didn't read the first issue. I'm not going to say it because I think it's cooler than – that I missed it. I was distracted and missed the reveal in the first panel and didn't get it till the end of this book, uh, even though it already had happened. Right. Anyway, so you are, if you don't know what's going on in the current X-Men, um, the past versions of Hank McCoy, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Angel, and Iceman are all in current time. And then you have some future versions of some other characters in the current time as well. Um, so they kind of displaced everyone after like Cyclops and everyone died during the Inhuman War. So it's kind of cool. There's there's all these characters from different times. Rachel Summers. Um, so you've got uh, and another really cool character I'll talk about in a second. Um, 
But it starts opening panel in Pasick, New Jersey, where we have Calvin Rankin, who is later to become Mimic. He's actually currently younger and um, not fully realized his mutant powers yet. <laughs> and you just see him picking up milk and someone calls his name and he goes, yep, that's me. And he is shot in the side of the neck with a laser bolt. And so all someone says is your services are required. I'm not going to reveal who it was. Like I said, I missed it the first time. And they, the groceries are everywhere and everyone's running away. Cuts over to X Mansion where Cyclops is sitting moping as he does. Sorry, Matt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cyclops is sitting on the steps. He actually has a good reason. And he is um, complaining about something as – Jean Grey comes and sits down and she's talking to him and he's blaming himself for the fact that Cable has just died as well as Bloodstorm. Bloodstorm is awesome. It's Aurora Monroe from a different timeline where she was also bit by a vampire. <gasps> I've heard this before. Super cool. She was That's really cool. She was actually dating Cyclops and in the first issue she's killed. Um so he's blaming himself for that as as again as Cyclops does, he's take putting all of the the pain on himself, and you get the idea he's being – they're being hunted by Ahab, which is really cool. Ahab is known for turning mutants into what they're called hounds, which are mutant hunters. Um, he's straight up a pirate with a spear and a peg leg, but he doesn't look like it. He's It's super cool character. Um, They've kind of done that on The Gifted too. Like, yeah, the hounds are – that's where they're from is Ahab. That's really cool. Um, and it's a future – like a future past story and all that. Uh, and it cuts over to like them talking about how uh, Cyclops is sitting there. This is going to be a little longer one because this is there's a lot to this and it's a really good comic. Good, no, that's good. Cyclops is talking about how like we came, we were brought to this future time um, to help save like the current X Men, but we're still fighting and nothing's changed and the the mutants are dying. And you get Shatter, Shatterstar immediately charging into the room full of X-Men. There's some X-Men I don't even know in here. Some I know, and I can't think of their names. Um, and he's asking, like, has Cable been killed? And you get the pan. You got both Beasts, two Angels, Jean Grey, Rachel Summers, Domino, current time Jean Grey, Iceman, uh, Proudstar. Oh, little, uh, you have Kitty Pride, Old Man Logan, Nightcrawler. And a couple of characters, like I said, I can't identify at the top. There's a really cool one from the new series where he's a skeleton inside a blob, and he's like super strong. He's really, his art's awesome. Um, but you get this; they're talking basically about. There's a lot here about how Cable and Bloodsummer have both been killed, and they're trying to figure out who killed him and how they can track him down. Uh, and Iceman has also been taken, so young young Iceman has been taken. So they're trying to figure out where he is. And how they can possibly find him. Um, and then Rachel Summers talks about how Ahab can time travel. And she used to be a hound that he used to track down the mutants. Okay. Um, and so if she's after these French kids that they were – he was after them in the first book and they got saved by the X-Men. Um, he's going to find them. And then they talk about splitting up into four teams to keep the young X-Men safe. So each team is going to protect a group of the young X-Men. Uh, or one of the young X-Men, so Cyclops, Jean Grey, Angel, and Beast. Oh, okay. But Cyclops doesn't want to do that. He's sick of being hidden, and he feels like it's his fault, and this is their fight. So he immediately charges out, and um, Warren follows him, and as well as Jean Grey, and immediately she starts screaming that something's wrong and someone's coming, and Warren is dropped by one of the same um, lightning darts you see in the beginning. And right away, 
like Scott yells that Ahab's there and fires off his laser beams. But you don't see who it is. He just fire starts powering up his eyes. Hank goes down, um, and Jean Grey tracks who it is, and there's this awesome uh, panel of Scott blowing up the forest and the enemy flying away. Uh, he catches the enemy, grabs him, yells him that he's going to kill him before he did, and as he pulls his hood back, it is a young Cable, <gasps> the same person we saw earlier that shot Rankin. And oh, that, that's, really that's cool. That's the reveal from the first after he kills uh, Aurora and Bloodstone. That's the last panel of the last Comp, the first issue. So it was really cool. So he gets away. He basically runs away. Gene powers up that she's going to get him and he um, immediately grabs Angel and says this thing. You see him in the first. He says, Body slide by two and teleports away. Uh, and also, he talks about how uh, the old man messed up everything by bringing you here and you're still here. The time for talking has since passed. He basically he's gonna fix the timeline of what's all the issues that's going on and that cable old cable messed everything up, uh, and then you see the X Men charging forward um, to make the late save. Oh, uh, it cuts over to some stuff with the two beasts and Beast talking about what he was shot with and filling him in about how it's a younger cable and that the older cable was brilliant and that um, they're gonna have trouble taking down this current this younger cable. And then the last panel, it cuts back to um, a young Cable sitting there saying, you brought this on yourself. Oh, sorry, this isn't the last panel. You brought this on yourself as Angel is strung up in a machine getting his wings cut off with a saw. And this Angel doesn't have – he has actually the metallic wings. His oh, wings, the apocalypse um, ones. Yeah. A little different. He was powered with like cosmic energy, so he had cosmic fire wings. And now he has like a different set of like metal wings that sprout out from that. Dude, that sounds so cool. Um, but it's just him literally drinking coffee as as Angel's getting his wings cut off. Uh, then it cuts back to the X-Men are all talking about what's going on. Like, do you think this is the best idea? And all of a sudden Ahab shows up. And Ahab shows up with an army of hounds that immediately start fighting the X-Men. Um, and Rachel's hound marks have now started showing back up, and that's how she knows he's there. Uh, he spears Rachel and tells the X-Men, um, it's not you that everyone should be worrying about. It's my other hounds that you should worry about. As old man Logan grows the hound marks, pops his claws out, and turns on the young X-Men, and that's the last panel. Holy shit. This was a really good comic. Oh, my God. And I immediately went and read the first issue and then reread this one again to kind of catch back up. But it's so good. That sounds great, and I love X-Men books. I'm actually a little ashamed to myself that I haven't done an X-Men story yet. I know this is why I dove into it first. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's fine. You technically did. Well, you know what? There's the door. Uh, <laughs> I know. The rage. I know. <laughs> so this much is rage. A really, so this is easy. Um, we had Wolverine influences in all three of our yeah. comics. Art, actually, this one, again, is a little more sketchy, but I just it's just more modern, and the way it's done, and the art, it, the the color is so vibrant, and it's the there's some panels where it's raining, and they mute the color just right for the rain, but then have the, this really well done, like they're standing near a fire and the shadows are just done just right. And like, that is what brings the color back out. The art for this is incredible. It's a 10. Yeah, dude, it looks stunning. The cover is amazing. So cool. And it tricks you because the cover is Ahab. So you think like, oh, Ahab's the only big bad, but you've no. got Ahab and young cable. Um, we said art action. 
the fight is great. I really like the fight. I really like the opening scene. Uh, and it's one of those things, there is a lot of dialogue in this book, but even the dialogue feels urgent and is leading to the action. Nine. Right. Nine? Okay. Opposite of you on this one, I'm telling you. Uh, a complete opposite. Our action story. I didn't really need to read the first book to know what was going on. The first book just made the second one even better. Okay. Uh, the story is great. Like I said, I'm super glad I didn't even note it, realize it was cable in that opening panel. Like I just wasn't paying attention and skipped. O- I just was like, oh, it's some random mutant hunter and wasn't paying attention. Uh, but it made the, the reveal later even better for me. <laughs> story is a 10. I'm, I really like this story. They're awesome. pulling a ton of tethers all at once. Uh, and they're clearly setting to reboot the X-Men universe again in here, and I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I think that's because now they have the rights to yeah. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. So. Well, and, and Wolverine, uh, Hunt for Wolverine just came out. Wolverine just came back to life as well. I'm interested to see if that plays into this at all. I don't think it will, but Wolverine's going on right now as well. So there's a lot. X-Men universe is going back to normal. Uh, but I really like this. At the same time, I kind of don't want to see this version go. Okay. Um Dude, that's so cool. What else do I got? I have – I said story, so this next one was dialogue. The dialogue was great. It filled you in, but it still felt like the characters. You've got a very classic X-Men. Nothing was overly cheesy. Um, you had a cool little scene like where it wasn't much dialogue, but just like old man Logan like quietly comforting like the two French kids who couldn't speak any English. Like, yeah. And like Nightcrawler as well, and there's just like little simple, like quick dialogues that really got the feel for the characters. And the the two beasts talking was great, and all of Cable's lines are super cool. Uh, again, ten for the dialogue and rereadability. Like I said, I've read this three times, so yeah. I'll give it a ten. Holy, this I I think forty forty nine out of fifty. Oh wow. man, I feel bad. I didn't give it that fifth that that full fifty, but we'll it's find no perfect out. comic. Not yet. This is this was one of the my and I've said this already, but this the score clearly tells you this one got me excited. Like, I, we've said most of us grew up with X Men. This was cool. This felt new, or it felt new, but it felt vintage. It. I wish this was the route the movies took. Like it was just really good, and I I'm excited. There's another one at the end of September. Then I have to wait till October and November for the last two issues. Um, but I'm super excited. I'm gonna buy all five of these, and I'm gonna. I'm, I'm going to look really into excited. picking up as well. Oh, and you can definitely you just, borrow these once I'm finished with it. You're I probably going to want your own. <laughs> I probably will. Um, you know how I am with comic books. It's, it's so good. Bye, bye, bye. You know? <laughs> it's, so, it's so, so good. Dude, that's our high. I mean, this is our what? This is our third review episode. I I think this is our third review episode. Third review fourth episode, overall. Yes. So we've been doing this for yeah, a Fantastic month now already. Fantastic Four was pretty high as well. Yes, I think this this is our highest one, yeah, though, this is without really a doubt. Good. So, uh, and this is genuine. Like, I was that excited about this comic. This is great. And I've been messaging you guys about it all week. You've been telling us. You're super excited. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. That's our highest rated book uh, that we've done thus far. So, check it out. I mean, check out all these books except X23. Um, <laughs> number four. So I'm still really jaded about it. But, um yeah, that's our picks for the week, our old oh, and new. Yeah, we still have one more. We still have one more. Um, we'll get through that. Uh, once again, thank you to Frank Morazzo. Um, I hope I said your name right, uh, for suggesting God's Country. It's a image book. Which I'm excited to jump into some image comics. Yeah, they're, and uh, there's, it's, let's see, when did this come out? They're a out? secret titan. They're definitely coming up, uh, in 
I think if they ever got a cinematic universe in their own way, where it never it would never be interconnected because their comics aren't. You're right. But if they started having their own, like, I feel like a lot more people would pay attention to them. But like, not casual comic book fans. A lot of comic book fans love Image and have been reading it over DC like the and diehard, diehard ones. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it's and it's more than superhero stories. It There's was the a first lot. cool independent. Yeah, because a lot of those guys jumped there, and it is yes. it's not. It's not a lot of superhero stories. Image is more uh, all over the place: fantasy, spy, kind of. Kind this of comic was like that, getting rid of capes, yeah. but still having heroes. Heroes in a way, it, it's definitely it's cool. I like it. Um, and the same guy that wrote that wrote the Venom story. That's so, so you can feel that. I feel like after reading that yeah. and hearing you talk, I, I can feel That's that. That's good. Yeah, this uh, this book came out in January of 2017. Oh, so it's a fairly new one. Very new. Um, and it starts off in West Texas, and I'm, I'm not gonna say I had the best grasp of the story, but I'm gonna scroll through. It starts off with a character named uh, Roy. He's returning to town to his dad's house, who's kind of gone senile. Uh, there's a there's a sheriff there. And uh the dad's in pretty rough shape. He's uh he's messy. He's, he's just gone crazy, so to speak. Um there's a lot of dialogue with Roy and his wife and his daughter. Um Yeah, the basically <laughs> the, the wife wants to leave because she can't deal like the 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 his dad is is like he's got Alzheimer's, he's a temper and it can easily simply put him in a home like the sheriff's like, Hey, I'll take him tonight, I'll bring him to a home. Yeah. Roy just won't do it. And He's they uprooted their whole dad. family for that. Yeah, and then Roy basically lets his wife leave and and does no to the sheriff giving him a chance to take his you know, put his father in a home. It um Yeah, I mean I'm just looking through this. Yeah, he uh the the granddaughter, you know, was all excited, wanted to see grandpa and um the grandfather, you know, goes, Hey, get the F out, I'll I'll kill you. Like just completely crazy and that that was like the that was the last straw for Roy's wife and daughter they you know the wife wanted to take off um which they actually do and Roy decides to stay with uh with the dad despite you know what's happening um let's see what's next here let me probably see the tornado yes it was the tornado that was next uh and some where some werewolves Running around, um, I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> maybe it was just dogs. Maybe it was just dogs. Um, <laughs> like I said, it, yeah, I read it at work, so they I were I like wild dogs, dog boys. Like yeah, oh, and the like tornado wolves really. Yes. I think. Um, but essentially, the next major thing that happens is the tornado strikes the dad's house. Um, right, that's what yes, I'm getting yes. here. Okay, yeah, that's the big. That's the big thing, and this shadow creature. But it also hits like his wife and daughter's car. Like a lot of people shouldn't have survived. You right, right. Yeah, this is like this shadow creature thing. I don't know if it got a name. It it's crawled like out demon. of the tornado. It was. It's pretty cool looking. Actually, it reminds me of like a cross between Venom and Blackheart. Yeah, a little bit. Like that's what it looked like for me. Um, and it's, it's they call it like it's like they say it's a demon basically. Yeah. And it looks like it's going after them. And the dad shows show an image of the dad, and he has what's it? The sword's name of the Valifax, which is like it's a it's a pretty sweet looking sword. Hits this thing, and all of a sudden he's like he's all normal again. You know, he's he's sane. He remembers everything, and he's slightly more jacked. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's like a <laughs> 
looked like a jacked Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, and he's very Odin-esque. Yes. And the story ends with, let's see, what, I don't know if it's, it looks like, kind of looks like Ares a little bit. Yeah, they never give a name. Just no. But, um, yeah, it's like a 12-foot sword, and this guy, this god, um, wants his sword back. And essentially, that's, and looks, and it looks very interesting. I'm going to read, I'm going to continually read these. Yeah, I'm interested in it. It was, it was cool. Um, cause like, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to comic book. Like, I, I'm, I'm Marvel faithful, no doubt. And, and I always like to expand my, my borders. This was a, this was a fun one to read. Um, and I know I didn't, I didn't follow it, you know, comprehend it as best as I could have. Um, because I do, reading it, reading it online versus reading an actual book is, um, is a, just a big difference in comprehension for me. Um, but I, I actually really enjoyed it and it has me hooked as to see what's going to happen. Cause this, this, this old senile dude who's all jacked and has the sword, like he's piqued my attention. Like I'm really curious as to where it goes and why he has this sword. Well, and it even mentions like the son survives the house getting crushed on. The sheriff's gone. He's yes. not there. So he probably died. Probably so, the yeah. son survives, which tells me that there's something more with the son as well. So. I'm kind of interested. The wife and daughter survived too, though. Yeah, but they didn't get like tossed any. Yeah. Like they yeah. didn't get crushed by a house. Oh yeah, because there, <laughs> there wasn't. Yeah, there was a scene at the end where they did. You know, they actually conversated with Grandpa. Like the guy's like, "Oh, did you say Grandpa?" Yeah, and he's, then he's back he's, to normal. He's normal yeah. now, um, which is cool. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. And I mean, what what were you guys' thoughts on it? Aside from grading it, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was. It felt like. The beginning of an AMC series, honestly, like yeah, something oh, I could 100%. see. Yeah, hundred percent. That's like, I, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, I felt that full on, like, like I got a preacher that. feel. Yes, preacher was the same thing I, I was I thinking got, as I, well. I got, a, I got a preacher feel. Okay. Yeah, so wow. I, I definitely could see that as like a, like a, like AMC style TV show or something. Okay, let's go around the room uh, and let's first grade the art. Art was it was visually amazing, uh, really good. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of the. The new art, but I don't know, just the way it, it just, it looked great. Um, I'm gonna give the art a nine myself. Uh, Chris, what are you thinking? The art was pretty cool. It's that image style, that realism. Yes. Uh, I'll give it an eight. Eight? Uh, it's not my favorite art. Okay. I'd like a little more cartoony, but I gotcha. I'll give it, I gotta appreciate good artwork. Yeah. I would say a nine. I, I'm in this weird spot where I either, it's gotta be super cartoony and I love it, like DC comics or like realism but vibrant. Right, like right. X Men comics have been and this was and so I, I would say a nine. I'm all about that. Okay. Um action. There was no action. This is the end scene. This is the end scene. Yeah. So it was very brief, so obviously we have to give a lower rating for that and it, it's not I mean it's it's still a really good book as action aside. Um so action minimal, I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a five. I mean, the tornado thing was kind of interesting. I guess you can kind of put that in the in yeah, the whole yeah. action scenario, and it generated that shadow uh, creature as well. So, so yeah, uh, Chris, what do you think for action? I give it a four. I mean, okay, a creature shows up, we get one basically a little like knife, you know? Yeah. I like to maybe see the creature like murdering people in the town or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, something a little more gory, but. Mind you, I'm reading this after I read Venom, yeah. so I'm on more board. urgent. Okay, uh, Greg, I would say five. The storm, the storm definitely had that. I, I feel like for me, action and urgency are always the same thing. Like, 
is what's going on like important? Is it going to be a big deal? Um, so I, the storm definitely feels like that. But then just the watching this grandpa slice this monster in half is kind of cool. It was, the panel was a really um, cool panel. I always like I like older like badass characters too, and that was like that was like. It was just really sweet. The whole way he just like now he's normal again and and whatnot. Next is story. I'm gonna give the story. Uh, I really liked it. Like I said, you know, I didn't comprehend it well the first time I read it, but actually just reading through it, um, I thought it was great. I'm gonna give it a nine. Actually, uh, the story was fun, and I'm 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 hooked. I'm hooked into reading future future issues, which they they're already released as we speak, but. Uh, Chris. It gave you a taste and a little tease, but didn't tell the full story. I'll give it a seven. Seven? Okay. Greg. This is like, yeah, I would give it a nine. To me, it's the first half of a pilot episode. Like, yes, the th- first 30 minutes would be this story here, and then the last 30 minutes would be like yeah. it ramping up a little bit and just giving you enough to be hooked. Compared to, like, um, I mean, Marvel's Netflix series typically do that, but like, you saying that, making that point, like when Jessica Jones, the very first episode, of the very first season, you know, you, you kind of there, there was something going on, and then at the very end, they hit the the kid shot the parents in the elevator, yeah. like that's that type of excitement, really. Yeah. You Where know. it was like, oh, okay, oh, I'm interested now. What's going to happen next? Like it <laughs> give you just enough, like got you invested in the people, and then now it's like, now that I'm invested in these people, holy superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, dialogue. Uh, dialogue helped understand the story a little bit, um, quite a bit. And there were some interesting interactions, um, and they did not hold back on the vulgarity, I'll tell you that much. Uh, one, I'm gonna go a eight in dialogue. Chris. Uh, dialogue wise, I mean, it, it, like you weren't lost. Yep. Um, it was pretty good dialogue. Like I liked the back and forth with him and his wife. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I'll agree with you with the eight. Eight. Okay. Right. We've all had those arguments. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, <laughs> Greg, I would say eight too. Okay. Yeah, you felt like the the back and forth with his wife. You felt the sympathy there, like, or you felt sympathy for both characters. The sheriff was pretty like typical. Like you can, you know, you kind of see in any any show or anything. Um. But honestly, the narration dialogue I really liked because it was brief, but it made it feel like extra epic when they were just like telling the little stories and it's like, oh, now he's back, but he won't be back for long. Like, like that narration, I don't know, it just added something extra to it for me. Yeah. And I think that's what kept me grounded. Like, this is a comic book because it felt like I could picture that narration voice like that, like over a comic book dub. And I, I liked it a lot. Okay. Very good. And our last rereadability. Um, I would pick this up again. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, that, like an instant classic, um, so to speak, great book. I'm going to give it a seven in rereadability. Um, I would definitely pick it up after going through the rest of the books and, you know, just to help me understand, basically. And, cause I always like to do that. I always like to get to the end, then we read the story so everything makes sense. You always pick up something. That you missed. So seven for myself. Chris, what do you got? I'm a little more in your face and less like slow burn, dark grittiness. So it wasn't my forte. Rereadability, I'd probably give it a five. Five? Okay. Greg? I would give it an eight because I know, uh, especially I've been, I've been slowly starting to bite down on the Summit Image comics. 
Image Comics is one of those things that's not like uh, Marvel and DC where you can pick up in the middle of an issue. It, it is like a full each. It is meant to be volumed. They're meant to be volume books in a lot of ways. So uh, I know if I reread this again, I'll probably end up rereading it as as a full seven issues or whatever's out at this point. Right, right. Okay, very good. I'm adding up the scores right now. Very favorable reviews on both of our parts. Um, me and Greg pretty much had the same, except the last one. Um, Greg gave it the highest, 39 out of 50. I gave it 38 out of 50. And Chris gave it 32 out of 50. So, I mean, that's a great read. I advise you guys check it out. It is free online. Um, or if you can find it in the store, buy it. Buy it and support. Um, like I said, it's not easy for us to, to find the fan suggestions ever. Yeah. Um, so fast. Yes, because uh, there was a very quick turnaround on this. And, you know, we hate reading comic books online, but for every one we read, we're buying 10. And Matt's buying 100. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, awesome. So, great episode, guys. I already can't wait for next week. I just oh, want to touch ahead. on a couple things. Yeah. I was literally looking at comicbook.com and I already know what your extermination is leading to. They said they've announced today they're going to release an X-Force series. Yes. And that's coming out of that. Oh, cool. my um, Lord. I'm and all about it. Also, uh, you had this cool little thing here in the studio. Uh, this Wednesday, the return of the Wolverine launch party at your yeah. local comic book shop. Yeah. So this yeah. Wednesday, folks, September 19th, support local comics. Go pick up this Return to Wolverine, but like buy other comics. Like, yeah. That's cool. And uh, and read Hunt for Wolverine leading up to it. It's been a pretty cool story. I haven't gotten to read all of it, but Daredevil's tied into it as well as a lot of the X-Men. Kind of cool to see Daredevil tag along with X-Men on that level. Yeah, that is nice. To see. There's an exclusive variant, too. Where he's like at a picnic. Oh, that's incredible! Yeah, I want it. So. Yeah, I got that. Um, House of Fantasy gave that to me. He always gives me stuff every time I go there. Um, he always just loads my bag up with you know what's coming out and and whatnot. You know, hopefully he eventually uh, notices that I come in every week. Uh, <laughs> we shall see. Um, but great guys, no, this is a great episode. I already can't wait for next week and. Don't forget, guys, two weeks we are doing our very first movie special comic book review uh, for Venom. And I can't wait. It's going to be whole story arcs. And uh, it's going to be a fun one, guys. And, yes, pay attention to our Facebook page. Find us on there yeah, for an announcement of a giveaway. Uh, yeah. We're going to do, do a giveaway. So just, just pay attention. All right, guys. Um, on behalf of Chris, Greg, and myself... This has been another edition of the panel discussion, and we will talk to you next week.